Hey, welcome into the Stink of Truth podcast. Mark Schlerth alongside Mike Evans, Millennial Bim, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsors, the great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Check it out, betrivers.com. Download the app. Uh, you won't be disappointed. No question about that. Also, Stinking Good Green Chili, my green chili company. Check us out at stinkinggood.com for all your green chili and queso needs. It's all right there. Mike, how are you, buddy? I am doing well. Uh, you know, we call out the BS on this show, right? Sure. I why mean, not? I can smell BS coming on. No, oh, oh, we got the meters. Right? The BS meters. All right. So we, we got we, we to gotta talk about, first of all, Devontae Adams. Comparing Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. similarly. Yeah. So and that, did you say similarly? Similar. That's a tough word. Similarly. Similarly. Similar. He says they're similar. There we yes, go. Yes. Okay. And there then you go. Um, Tyree Kill saying, "Hey, you know, Mahomes is uh, my guy and everything, but I'll tell you what, Tua might be more accurate." Okay, what are these two doing? What what is Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill trying to pull off here? Uh, They're trying to sell the general public on how good their new quarterbacks are. They're excited to be where they are. But come come on, come on. Like, first off, the Mahomes versus Tua comparison. Stop it. Now, one, do you know who had the least amount of throws, attempts, 20-plus yards downfield in the whole National Football League last year? Tua. Right. Hey, if you're throwing everything behind the line of scrimmage, or you throwing a bunch of uh, Z drives, uh, you know, uh, shallow crosses at four yards, I should hope your completion percentage is high. And oh, by the way, like here's the other thing that drives me crazy about crap like this, right? Like, I think Derek Carr is vastly underrated, vastly underrated. But let's not say Derek Carr and and Aaron Rodgers are like identical, right? Like. like Let's just pump the brakes on that. And I think Derek Carr is really, really good. But here's the thing. Like, before you anoint Tua as more accurate than Mahomes, I would say this. Why don't we wait until we actually play, I don't know, a game? I'm not, I'm going to go full, uh, I'm not talking about practice. We're talking about a game. We're not talking about practice. So, I would I would just tell you that let's make sure we do what we can do to make sure that it's game setting because you know, I used to do this all the time when I was when I was playing in the league. There are guys that can fool coaches at practice. They can be great practice players and can really make you think as a coaching staff, that they're ready for the next step, right? They're backups. They don't make mistakes. They don't, and, and they play great in practice. And you're like, man, that guy's ready to play in a game. And then you put them in game, and they actually, and they just absolutely poop in their helmet, right? They're like, what happened to this guy? He's terrible. And you know what those guys usually are? They're script readers. So before practice, they give they they all have a bunch of scripts. And the coaches put a script together and say, okay, we're going to play, you know, in in this period, we're going to go first and 10. And, you know, we're going to run our first and 10 package of plays that we want to run. And these are the defenses we anticipate getting. And here's the blitzes. And so you'll see script readers on your your team that will go through and they'll say, okay, 
Um, I'm, I've got play three, four, and five. So let me look three play, and they'll get the script and go, okay, play three, they're going to be in this front, so i got to be careful to look for this, and then play four, they're bringing this blitz. So i got to snap this off to one guy, and i got to pick it up and write, and then play five, and they're okay, remember. And they memorize it, and then they're flawless in their execution. And I used to walk by those guys that would have, you would see them, they'd be in their locker with the script. I used to just slap it out of their hand as quickly as I could, like step on it, wad it up. And I was like, hey, moron, they don't give you these in the game. They didn't tell you what the defense is going to play. You got to be able to play this game not knowing what's coming. And you got to make the adjustment based on what you see, the information you take in, and then you got to be able to play at full speed. And script readers can't play in games. They never can. They get so used to practicing that way. They get so dependent upon seeing that little script from a confidence-building standpoint that they never drop their nuts. They don't. They just, they, they're always tucked up inside. And you got you, you to have guys that can play, you know. And, and so... Before we anoint Tua as the most accurate guy on the face of the planet, let me just make sure that during the course of regular season games that, you know, six weeks in, we're not listening to Tyreek complain about not getting enough targets. Okay. I hear all that. Mm. But when you start talking about Tyreek Hill and the different ways you can use Tyreek Hill, add in Jalen Waddell, who had a, a terrific rookie season, what about the idea that when this is all said and done, Tua Tunga Viola is being talked about as a, hey, this can be our guy. Yeah. This can be our guy. What about the idea of these two receivers making Tua? Well. And how will they do it? Yeah. I mean, I think both guys are dynamic players. Like, both guys are going to get open. They're going to do all that stuff. So that's great. You know, I think also what you have to understand is Mike McDaniel, the new the new head coach, I mean, he's going to bring a a heavy run-oriented system into Miami where they're going to rely on that, rely on some of the play-action stuff, which should create ginormous plays for both of the receivers. So I think it's more about the total offense. Like, I think the way they're going to run that offense, if Tyreek Hill doesn't have a huge season, if Waddle doesn't have a huge season, then it's really there's going to be more learned from Tua in that regard. Like if you can't have a huge season based upon what you're going to get um, offensively, then I think there are very there are big concerns, legitimate concerns about he's not our guy. And the other thing that'll be interesting about about that particular offense is, you know, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not one of these drop back kind of in the pocket guys. Like, Tua can move. So now, all of a sudden, all that play action, the zone read aspect that a lot of teams can't do that run, you know, there's a difference between, hey, we're going to run this system of wide zone, tight zone, that's going to be our base, you know, and all that kind of stuff, right? Now, all of a sudden, we can get the zone read stuff in there where the quarterback threatens the edge. It just opens up another dynamic uh, uh, piece to the puzzle of our offense. Like, now, and all the play-action stuff that comes off of that, 
we can really expose some people. Listen, if if Miami offensively isn't dramatically better than what they've been, then I think you have you'll have your answer on Tua this year. Back to the Devontae Adams Carr Rogers comparison. There's no doubt, and I know you're a big Derek Carr fan. Yeah. And Derek Carr is a, a really good quarterback, but we're gonna find out if he's gonna join that upper echelon, right? Of uh-huh. being of being great. Because you think about it, he's never really had this kind of receiver. Sure, he's had Darren Waller, the tight end, mm. but from receiver a receiver standpoint, it's been kind of a hodgepodge of of guys who are burner guys who don't have great hands or aren't great route runners or they're more possession guys like a Hunter Renfro. He's got himself a star now. And what he knows from his days in college at Fresno State, you talk about how there's no excuse for Tua to become a good quarterback. I'd say there's no excuse for Derek Carr not to become a great quarterback this year. All right. And think about now the head coach, where the head coach comes from, okay? So he comes from New England. He had an opportunity to be a head coach at Denver for a while. But, you know, it, it Josh McDaniels, it didn't work out the first time around. But he comes from he comes from a situation in New England where let's face it, has Tom Brady ever had a dominant wide receiver? Other than Randy Moss? Randy Moss for what? No. Two years yeah. or a year and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. So yeah, it they've never really had that. And you know, what I've learned about the NFL over the years, especially over the last five years working for Fox, is you can you can let your system dictate in first and second down, but you need special players, matchups. You know, you hear this all the time, Mike. It's a matchup league. It's a matchup league in third down, right? Your scheme can operate for you first and second down if you're, you know, if you're ahead of the chains, if you're moving the ball, you know, at, at four yards a clip. But third down comes down to players. Who do we have? And when you have that matchup dude on third down, you got, you got special. You, you can be special. Like there was, you watch Aaron Rodgers over the, the last couple of years with Devontae Adams and, and just the, the combination that they've created together. Aaron Rodgers has never met a one-on-one situation where Devontae Adams wasn't the guy he's going to. He's rarely met a double-team situation where Devontae Adams isn't the guy they're going to. He's going to Devontae. He'll beat a double-team. I don't care. That's how good the dude is. And So now all of a sudden you give that to Derek Carr, and you've got that matchup guy that says, hey, man, Sometimes the system doesn't win, but my player does. And when you have that man, you can be like you can be special as an offense. And then you mix in. You mentioned Renfro. You mentioned Darren Waller. I mean, you want to talk about being loaded? Um, what, what's the running back's name? Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. Yep. Josh Jacobs can play. Like they are, they are legitimately loaded right now from the standpoint of what they have offensively in regards to weapons. So we'll watch and see the Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tunga Viola comparisons, thanks to their receivers, Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill. Uh, in the wake of the New York Times reporting that Deshaun Watson 
booked appointments with at least 66 different women over a 17-month span. And this list of 66 comprises, includes the 24 women who have filed lawsuits against Watson. Watson coming out this week and proclaiming once again that he is innocent, uh, but that he did admit he does regret the impact that the allegations have had on the people around him, including the Cleveland Browns. Um, yeah, I like great. I I appreciate that. You know, he said something. I listened to some sound the other day that I guess yeah, almost said rubbed me the wrong way, which is uh, you know, probably you, ju- you just said it, right? Right. <laughs> oh, I, that's right. I did just yeah. say it. Damn. Um, but I get what you're doing there. Right. Yeah. You know, there's well double, played. There is double entendre there. <laughs> but he came out and said that, um, you know, he never disrespected women. And I would say you don't get to make that judgment. Like I'm a, I make fun of you all the time on our program, Mike. I do. Um, per, and, and there's purpose there, right? I, I do that. And, you know, and you and I have a, a very close relationship where, that's part of that's part of the fun of, of doing the show. Yeah. Um bust balls. That's what right, we do. Right. right. Yeah. But if I cross the line, I don't get the chance I don't get to say, well, I never offend I, I never offended Mike. No. You get to say, hey man, that like you went too far yesterday or whatever, right? I don't get to say, hey man, I didn't go too far. Like I've 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 never disrespected my ass. You didn't disrespect. Well, you got right twenty four, and it looks like twenty six that are basically saying you did. That's not your call to make, right? right it's yeah. not your call to make. Like now, I never. You could you can say I never knowingly disrespected. I never. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Um, if I did, but that's not your call to make. And I don't know about you, but every time Deshaun Watson speaks, I'm just like, dude shut you're not doing yourself any favors shut up i've gone from i thought it was going to be 10 12 games to being reduced to maybe eight i thought that for sure he was going to get to play i don't think there's any way that guy sees the field this year i think he's done this year really yeah i don't think there is any way he is going to resolve this and he is going to see the field this year I just don't. And I think, like, you know, now all of a sudden there are allegations against the Houston Texans that, like, I mean, think about the ramifications of the Houston Texans provided hotel rooms. Did they pay for them? Did they book them? Did they pay for them? Because now all of a sudden you're complicit in whatever went on. And, oh, by the way, if you pay for those hotel rooms, those are salary cap violations. I, it just there's there's just like this story continues to get deeper and deeper yeah. into the weeds, and then the Cleveland Browns. I mean, part of the reason you didn't do your due diligence, part of the we- reason you turned a blind eye, so so that you had you know plausible deniability. Oh, well, we we had no idea it was this deep, <laughs> you know, like like I don't know. I just I just feel like it, the the more this gets on and the more people feel empowered and I'm glad they feel empowered to say you know what this guy is he did do this he did and more people come out of the woodworks to to accuse him 
I, I just don't think the NFL can allow him to be on their field. Okay, what kind of time frame are we looking at? We're we're doing this right now. It's the middle of June, middle of June, and camp's open in a month and a half. Right. And so this suspension, and there will be a suspension, but when does it come out? When does it get uh, appealed? When does it get reduced? All this stuff that right. has to happen. We're a month and a half away from the start of training camp. We're what two and a half months away from the start of the season. Right. Well, think when's about this it, happening? Right. I don't know, but think about it from Cleveland's standpoint. Okay. We're in June. You're about ready to take five weeks off, and you're going to roll into training camp. Okay. What are you going to do? You got to practice to Sean Watson all through training camp, and you know he's getting getting suspended. So, like, what's what's your next move? You've already pissed off Baker Mayfield. He don't want to be there. They, they excused him from the mandatory camp, the mini camps. You're probably going to have to eat, you know, over half his salary to trade him. Okay, we'll pick up ten million. You guys pick up eight, and you know, and you can have him type of thing. But then who becomes? Is it Case Keenum? Is he still the backup there? Does he become? Does he become your? Sh- because at some point, guess what? You know, you're not going to have Deshaun. Probably the first, like you, you may not have them at all. But at what point do you, as an organization, go and hey, we we've built a pretty strong roster. Um, we won a game or two with Case Keenum last year, and we know Deshaun has got all these issues. We know what. Like at some point, don't you have to let Case Keenum, Case Keenum, take the reps? Some point, don't you, as an organization, don't you have to make a decision, yeah. uh, like a not a reactive but a proactive decision, yeah. knowing that you're not going to have Deshaun Watson and you probably won't have him for an extended period of time. And in all likelihood, from my perspective, you won't have him for the year. Wow. Okay. We'll see what happens with that. Meanwhile, in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury says he's, quote, praying for a new contract for Kyler Murray before the start of training camp. And Lamar Jackson is upset because he doesn't have a new contract yet from Baltimore. So, kind of a two-part question. Uh, first of all, why do neither one of these guys have contracts done yesterday, done yet, especially Lamar? And do you anticipate both getting new contracts by the start of the season? Yeah, that's I, – I tell you what, which is interesting. I mean, Lamar has won an MVP, right? And you know that I am – uh, you know, I'm friends with John Harbaugh, and John stuck his neck out. John changed their whole system. John t- changed their play callers and their and their you know and and just like coaching staff and and they went all in to to match a defense that matched well with what they did offensively and and you know and. And John has had this conversation. I've had this conversation with John over the years about, hey, man, like we're all in, you know, and it is, is it scary to have a quarterback that, you know, you're going to run and you're going to design these runs for? And, and yeah, but Lamar does a good job of keeping himself healthy and blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Last year was the first year really that he wasn't completely healthy and that he did slow down and he did struggle to a degree last year and the passing element of their offense hasn't necessarily 
grown at the exponential pace that you wanted it to grow at. And the only thing I can say, like reading the tea leaves, and I haven't talked to John about this, but the only thing I can say is you don't trust that this is sustainable. You're like, hey, man, it, it, like in the upper offices, in the secret meetings, when the doors are closed and they make sure that they're not bugged and everybody has to turn in their cell phones, you know what they're saying right now? We can't sustain it. And we saw a glimpse of it last year when he got COVID again, came back in 10 pounds light, didn't quite have the same quickness. And then, oh, and then he, you know, got, I can't remember what his injury was last year, but he was the banged, ankle, right? Yeah, banged up with an ankle. And they're looking at this as like, it's not sustainable because when we can't run it, when we can't just be dynamic in the run game and we say, hey, Lamar, go win it for us throwing in this game to protect your body a little bit. We can't operate as an offense. Like there is, I'm upstairs in the offices of the Baltimore Ravens. They're like, okay, could we do it for another year or two and beat the, yeah. But can we really sign a dude to a 200 and whatever million dollar contract and think we're getting six more years out of, nope. That Like I have to believe that that's the conversation going on right now. I have to believe it. Same conversation in the upper boardrooms in Phoenix as well. I think with Murray. I think there's a little less because I think you. I think you feel like Murray can can operate a little bit more as a passer. I think with Murray, it's it's still there's still a bit of the element though of yeah, he's a better better thrower of the football. Um. But most of our big chunk dynamic plays in the passing game come off of broken plays. And that's not a sustainable form of offense either. And we saw it in the second half or the last quarter, if you will, of the football. See, I don't know. Like, it used to be so easy to divide the season up in quarters, right? 16 (laughs) games, four, 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 you know. Four times four is 16. It's a quarter of the season. Now with that 17th game, Mike, it's like, what's the quarter? It's like four games in a quarter is the quarter. Please. It's it's not something I'm prepared to tackle right, right. now. Right. Me I neither. need the summer break for this. Right. You know, I need to maybe go, by hey, training camp I'll have an idea. But no, I need right to now. go to summer school just to break down the quarters of the season. So then the message to Raven fan and Cardinal fan is this. In a league in which teams are starved for quarterbacks, in a league in which teams will take incredible chances just to try to find the guy a quarterback, Mm -hmm. and then when they're lucky enough to find that guy, have no problem signing that guy to a big contract right away because they're so proud that they have that guy. The fact that Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray don't have deals yet tells you these teams don't believe they have the guy. Right. They they think they've got, you know what they think? They think they've got the guy right now, but they don't think they've got the guy that can sustain them for what's to come. And And I, you know, ultimately, it's not just about having the guy, but it's having the guy that you know you can win with over the next eight to ten years. Right, everyone's looking for that 15-year guy. Yeah. Right? Right. And I think that's I think that's 
the biggest thing, and, and especially with Lamar. Here's the other thing, Mike. You pigeonhole yourself. Because, let's face it, the Ravens did something that very few teams are willing to do. They changed their whole system based on one dude. How many teams do you go, okay, listen. Like, if you're the Ravens and you're like, we don't think this is sustainable, and maybe we got a guy that we like, you know, that we think, hey, we're going to get next year in the draft or whatever. What do you get for Lamar? Because what team's willing to go down that road and say, yeah, we'll change our whole system for him? I know he's – listen, man, I'm not knocking how dynamic he is. I'm not knocking what a great player he is. I, I really am not. I'm just like uh, – like the long-term sustainability of the way that guy plays the game, and it's remarkable and spectacular, there's no question, but it the, the, long, the longevity of that um, leads one to wonder. And, and there's – hey, man, this is not me. Like, this is not me. Like, I'm not a, I'm not being a hater. I'm saying all you have to do is look at what the team, the way the team's operating. Actions speak louder than words. Let me tell you, yep. you think even after Joe Burrow tore his knee up, you think that you think the Bengals are going to have a tough time going to Joe Burrow and putting a, lo- a 10-year deal together? Nope, they won't. Yep. Why? Because he's in the pocket. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. One last story. You all know right. how much I love it when you will not admit that you were wrong and I was right. Doesn't happen often. Yes. But I've been insisting, and you have been continuing to fight me on this, but now you have to admit you were wrong and I was right. I never once bought the idea that Bruce Arians stepped down out of the goodness of his heart just to make way for Byron Leftwich and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Todd Bowles, that there was an element of Tom Brady forcing him out or at least saying, hey, I'll come back but not if B.A. is the coach. Do you see Bruce Marians come out the other day and said, I have no doubt that if Tom Brady stayed retired, I'd still be coaching the Buccaneers. I did not see that. I don't recognize that <laughs> as something that happened. I don't. Fake I, news. I don't. Fake news. I don't believe you. Um, and therefore, we will not have oh, this Oh, we will discussion. not have this conversation? No. Come oh, on are now. you gonna? Are you? You're I'm look, looking for my, my sausage lo- fingers. Are you're, you're looking it up here. right now. Bruce Did, Arians, Tom Brady. Let me see if I can find it. Yep. So this is uh, this came out a couple days ago, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna read the quote. I was going the other way. I was thinking he wasn't going to play. I was thinking about who are we going to get. He goes on to say this, quote, B.A., your guy. Had Tom Brady not come back, I probably would still be coaching. I couldn't give Todd that situation. Oh, yeah. This, Had see, Tom not come back, yeah, no, I no, probably no, no, would no. still be coaching. See, you're trying to fix the narrative. I'm not fixing the narrative. Yeah, you are because you're giving – you're giving – oh, see, this is you. This This is – this – Further solidifies folks, my folks, point. This is Mark. You thought you this had is how he me. wiggles off the hook. You thought you had me, but you furthered my point about the importance of of Bruce Arians promoting his guys. Read the second part of that quote. They did this to me all the time at ESPN. I'd be like, "Hey, listen, it, you know, like 
Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow is one of the great leaders, one of the great competitors, one of the great people, but he's just not a skilled quarterback. Schlerer says Tim Tebow sucks at quarterback, you know. Like, go ahead and read, that, the, read the whole right. thing. Had Tom not come back, I probably would still be coaching. Okay. I'd I probably still get... be coaching, right. right? Because, okay, keep going. He goes, I couldn't give Todd that Ye- situation, meaning I couldn't step aside and leave Todd with Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Right, exactly. Why? Because I can't step aside like I want to and leave Todd with another situation where Todd wouldn't have an opportunity to be successful. So I'm going to take those slings and arrows for Todd while we try to groom another quarterback. He wants Todd because Todd went and took that Jets game. And Todd is, I know how important Todd Bowles is to Bruce Arians. I know how important he is. And he goes, I don't want him to be in another losing situation where all of a sudden he is he's a coach that can't win. I want him to have every opportunity to be a successful head coach. I'm t- I'm I'm just telling you the way Bruce Arians operates. The first guy in Virginia Tech history to ever have an African American roommate and he demanded it. He was the quarterback Tiki Barber's I think it was Tiki and, and Ronde Barber's father was his roommate. Bruce is all about Byron Leftwich, Todd, I rest my Man, case. Ladies and gentlemen the of the jury. You are the wiggle master. the way you try to create your you. own little narrative. My goodness. I had to give you. Give me you credit a, for reading the whole quote, by the way. I I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I could have just stopped, by right. the way. I had to give you the old bare bottom spanking. That's what I gave you. Put me right over your knee. <laughs> right over your I, I, I yanked down your mom jeans and gave you the. Big bare bottoms bacon. Hey, listen, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth podcast, for Mike, I am Mark. For Millennial Ben, we thank you for listening. Thank our presenting sponsors, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with Winner. Bet with Bet Rivers. Also, Stinking Good Green Chili at stinkinggood.com. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you.